Well, good morning, Connection Point Church. Welcome again to uh, another great service, uh, another great sermon. I'm very excited to, uh, to be here today, but I do want to tell you it is not live this morning, and the reason it is not live is because I am still uh, dealing with the coronavirus, but I want to be clear. Uh, I have been cleared by my doctors. Uh, according to the CDC, all metrics have been made. I'm no longer in quarantine. But because we do have a lot of people in studio, one of the things that uh, really is uh, something I strongly believe in is that I want to love my neighbors and I want to be respectful for people. And rather than saying, hey, is it going to bother you if I come in, even though uh, last week I had the coronavirus, and having people say, lie to their pastor basically and say, oh, no, 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 that would be totally fine. Uh, I just just made the call and said, you know what, I'm going to be respectful. And so I went ahead and Joey and I just decided, let's go ahead, pre-record just the sermon. Uh, and I still think it'll be powerful, but we didn't want to put anyone in a position where uh, they might be uncomfortable coming in and worshiping God uh, and, and leading you in worship. And so that's the reason we made this decision. I feel 100% today. I thank you for your prayers. I thank you for all the love that y'all have given to us. But um, I do think that's a, an example that we want to set is just to, to make sure we're not putting people in a position where they have to kind of be awkward around us. But we want to go ahead and just say, you know what, in order to love you well, we're going to go, I'm going to go ahead and just take an extra few days of quarantine. I've tried to stay away from everybody. So anyway, that's why we're doing this today. Um, and I'm really excited about this message and about next week's message because the truth is we had this time period after finishing up last week's series and before we start the next series in which we had a few weeks. And so we've got exciting things planned for you in the next few weeks. Today and next week, we're going to talk about two ideas that have really been a powerful, powerful um, um, just motivation for me over the last six months. Uh, in the year 2020, we have seen clearly some things. And so we're going to talk about those things today and next week. And then on the 13th of September, we're actually going to meet in the park in Murphy, and we're going to have a great time there. And so it's going to be a time of fellowship, a time of safe social distance, but a time of getting to see each other. So I'm really excited about what God has for us uh, in this season. Now, this time last year, Connection Point was, was embarking on a new adventure. We had just moved out of our space in East Plano, and we were preparing to, in fact, we had just met the first few times in what we called a soft launch in Wiley. We were portable for the first time in a long time. We were setting up, tearing down, and we had made the decision that we didn't just want to move our church from Plano to Wiley. We said we fundamentally believe we are a different church as we moved in. And so we went into last year, this time last year, with the mentality that we were a core group. That is, that we were launching a new church, that we were starting this new church. And one of the things that we introduced last year is we introduced some priorities to our church. Now, when we talk about priorities, some organizations talk about values. They value this or they value that. And we made the decision, instead of talking about what we value, we want to talk about what we prioritize. Because when you prioritize something, it really gives a distinction. It, it tells you not just what you're about. It also tells you, you know what, this is how they make decisions. For example, if I were to tell you I value my family, you would say, okay, that's, that's great. Everybody values their family. But if I tell you, in my family, we prioritize my wife over my kids. 
all of a sudden that tells you a lot about me. If we're going to go out to eat, I will tell you, I prioritize my wife over my kids. So if my kids all want chilies and my wife wants chiloso, hey, we're having chiloso. That's the way it goes. And some people will say, you know what, you really shouldn't draw those distinctions, but it's important for me that, I, that my kids know, that my wife knows. In our family, we're going to prioritize my wife over my kids. It tells us how we're going to make decisions, but it also kind of defines what's most important for a healthy family. We've determined we want to make sure if mama ain't happy, ain't no one happy. Can I get an amen? Now, the, the, the importance of this in a church, though, is even more because we decided that we wanted to, to find some principles that were so important to us that we were willing to say this is more important even than what the culture tells us. And so our priorities are basically a biblical idea prioritized over a cultural idea. And so today what I want to do is I want to go through our four um, priorities. And then today we're going to introduce a new priority. If we had a drum roll, that would be the time for it. We were going to introduce a new priority. And this new priority has been made so uh, apparent that it is needed as I've watched the events of 2020 unfold. We can see this clearly for the first time, really, uh, where it just, you know what, we have to have this new priority. And so I'm excited at the end to introduce this new priority. But before we go there, I want to go over our current priorities. We have four priorities right now, and each of these priorities really sets us apart as a church. The first priority is this. We prioritize relationships over religion. Relationships over religion. You know, the truth is, is that almost every single uh, person, if you were to ask them what Christianity is about, they would give you a heretical idea, a blasphemous idea that is so far from what Jesus really taught that uh, it, it is heretical. They would tell you being a Christian is about being a good person. They would tell you that going to heaven, good people go to heaven. That's what it's about. But the truth is, is that is a heretical idea that our church wants to, to get as far away from that idea as, as possible because that's what Jesus did. And in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, I want to read it to you real quick. It says this. This is the words of Jesus. Jesus says, not, any, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your names and do many mighty works in your names? In other words, people are going to come up and say, were we not serving you? Were we not doing the things that religion said to do? And Jesus says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. You see, the truth is, is that it is about knowing God. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You see, when we do not have a relationship with Jesus, when we do not know him, we are far from him. And so at Connection Point Church, the number one thing we want for our people is to understand that we prioritize our relationships over religion. We prioritize pursuing our relationship with God over just following laws or, or trying to be a good person. We believe that, that in, all, in every way, 
we want to be known for relationships. That is why our church, we call our church a family because we don't want our church to be an organization. We want it to be known as a family. That is why when we talk about what does it look like to be a disciple at Connection Point Church, we talk about three great relationships. We want to know God. We want to grow ourselves in his image and we want to show others. In other words, those relationships are important. In every aspect of our church, this priority should be felt. We prioritize relationships over religion because that's exactly what Jesus did. The second uh, priority we have is we prioritize giving over getting. Giving over getting. You know, there are so many examples of this in, in the Bible that this is a priority that is life-changing. One of the, the examples I'd like to give to you is when Paul is talking to the church in Ephesians, he's about to leave them and he, he wants to give them some encouraging words and they're having kind of this cry fest before he leaves and they know they're never going to see Paul again. And so this is what Paul says in Acts chapter 20, starting verse 32. He says this, he says, and now I commend, I commend you, and now I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So in other words, you, you've been fighting the good fight. And now as I'm leaving you, I want to commend you that God is going to give you what he's promised you. And he says this, he says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to all my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. See, I love the fact that as Paul is leaving them, he reminded them, listen, I've worked hard. I've made sure I was a good example. And every time that you look at me, you saw me working hard for other people. You saw me working for the weak, making sure I was ministering, not just to myself, but to others as well. You see, the truth is, is that we have a culture that says it's all about getting. In fact, much of the depression and anxiety and all of the things that we face in this world comes from this idea that we need more. In fact, we have what is called an upgrade mentality in our society. It's the idea that if I've got a car, I need a better car. If I've got a house, I need a bigger house. If I've got a, an okay life, I need a, an awesome life. If I've got, got an okay wife, hey, I need a, a more awesome wife. That's how some of us think. We always need the next best thing. And the problem with this is that we'll never be satisfied if we're always looking for what is next. What is the next best car I can get? What is the next best house I can get? We'll never be satisfied, but it does something else. It also tells us inside that God is not provided enough for us. It tells us that, that we cannot rely on God, that we have got to, to get more in order to be blessed and that God has not blessed us. And so when we hate on this mentality that it is more blessed to give than to receive, it's, more, it, it's better to prioritize giving over getting, all of a sudden it flips that mentality over. And it says, you know what? I have everything I need that God has provided everything that I need. And therefore, I can bless others because God has blessed me. You see, when we become generous, it's not about us giving more to the church or giving more to charities. It's about the fact that it changes our mentality of we are blessed people. Here's a verse that I want you to memorize. I don't know. We might not have it on the screen, but, but go to 1 John 1.31. This is what, or 1 John 3.1. And this is what uh, John says. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us 
that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That word lavish, God has lavished his love on us. I want to look up this definition of lavished, and this is what it says. The word lavish means sumptuously rich, elaborate, luxurious. It means very extravagantly generous or rich. Did you know that when you are a child of God, that God has lavished his, he has given you his riches so that you are sumptuously rich. You may not think that you are rich, but the Bible tells us we are rich because God has lavished his love on us. Therefore, how can we not live as though we are so generous? The heart of our church is that no one is anxious about what we're going to wear tomorrow, if they're going to ever be able to upgrade, because we know God has blessed us and we are in his promises just by being in a relationship with him. Therefore, we prioritize giving over getting, and it is a life-changing decision. That is why we give financially. That is why we serve with our time. That is why we are generous to others, because God has been generous to us. The third priority that I want to remind us of in this church is that we prioritize authentic over artificial. Authentic over artificial. When I was uh, a youth minister uh, more than 15 years ago, I was in uh, a local church and I was serving there. And, and one day I came into my office and I had just heard that our worship pastor had been fired. He was gone. He no longer worked there. And I asked, well, what, what happened? What did he do? And everyone just kind of looked at me and said, we can't tell you. And I asked some of the staff members, they either didn't know or they couldn't tell me. I asked the pastor, he said he's not at liberty to talk about it. And really, it was a mystery of what had happened. Uh, you know, as things will, will uh, leak out, I eventually began to hear some rumors that he had been, uh, you know, found uh, looking at something on his computer he wasn't supposed to look at. And that's all really that was said to me. And it might have been well-meaning the way it was handled, but I will tell you, it sent a very clear message to me as a young minister. It was, if I have any sin, if I have anything that might uh, bring shame upon the church, I better hide it and tuck it away in my life and tell no one. And so uh, for the remainder of my time at that church, I made sure that I had the appearance of being perfect. And in fact, even in my, uh, as I started out planning a church, I tried to be a perfect pastor and never have any, uh, anyone think that I might not be perfect. I tried to, to, sh to show none of my flaws or sins. And, you know, the danger of that is that if you don't show or confess or tell others that you are, are sinful, not only will they begin to, to think falsely of you and maybe even elevate you higher than you should be, but those sins will never be dealt with. James, the brother of Jesus, says this in James chapter 5. He says this, he says, the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The power or the prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. You know, one of the things that the Bible makes clear is that the, the attitude of a church should be, this is a place where sinners can come and confess their sins. And as believers, we will welcome them and we will help restore them. 
And so as we have built Connection Point Church, we have tried to follow this, this mantra that we don't want to be a church of perfect people. There are no perfect people allowed in this church. And it's certainly, I am not a perfect person. And so what we want is a place where we can confess. We call it confessing our last 2%. We want to make sure that if there's a, a part of our life that, that we are ashamed of and we don't want anyone to know about it, that's probably the, the last 2%. That's probably the part of our life we need to confess to somebody. Now, I wouldn't say you have to confess to everybody, but there should be one or two people at least in this, in this church, hopefully in your small group, that you feel you, that you could go to and you could ask them, hey, can you pray for me? Can you walk with me as I try to overcome and see God's power move in my life, in this area of my life that maybe I've never given to the Lord and I'm gonna trust somebody. I'm gonna open up my life enough so that the power of God's people, the prayers of, of confession can be heard. And there is great power in healing, it says. They may be healed when we confess. It's very important for me. If there's one thing our church would be known for being good at, I would love it to be confessing to one another, trusting, because I know if I confess to my brothers at Connection Point Church, they're not going to try to destroy me. They're not going to secretly try to ship me out and say, you know what, we don't need any of that in this church. Instead, they're going to walk with me and say, you know what, this is a place of healing because I can be authentic. We value being authentic over being artificial. The last of the, the values that we have is that we value or we prioritize remarkable over routine. Remarkable over routine. You see, in my experience, many people have an apathetic faith or an apathetic attitude towards God. And to me, uh, apathy is the enemy of God. Apathy is the absolute worst thing. It's even worse than being anti-God with being apathetic towards God. This is what the Bible says about God. God says in Isaiah 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my way, declares the Lord. For as, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my way higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, God is so much more than we are. God is so much more powerful. He is so much stronger. He is so much more everything than what we give him credit for. And so to me, we should never come to church and meet with the, the God of the universe, the creator of all things. We should never come in and, and, and pray to a God who raises the dead and act as if that's a common thing. And so one of the things we want at this church is we never want to approach God as if it's common. Anytime we walk into, uh, whether it's, it's a live service or even just an online campus, we should have this expectation of, man, we're meeting with a holy God who, with his words, can create a universe. We should probably expect a miracle today. God's ways are so much better. It should never feel routine logging on. And if it does, we want to make sure that we check that. So there, we're very clear. We want to value the remarkable over the routine. We don't want our walk with God to be passionless. We don't want it to be normal. We want it to always be something that, that is remarkable, worth remarking about. It's worth talking about what God has done in our life. So we, we prioritize remarkable over routine when it comes to how we do church. Now, 
those are our four priorities. And last year, we, we kind of set those in place and we tried to let those guide us. And uh, they're kind of what we attain to, uh, or, or strive to be, but they're also how we make decisions. They're a filter. We want to make sure that we're always prioritizing relationships over just getting stuff done. We want to make sure that we're always trying to build generosity over then what we can get. And so as We've gone through the last few months in this pandemic and, and all of the political and, and racial tensions that we've seen. Uh, there's been a lot of things that have become apparent to how we do church, how we could do church better, um, and, and kind of, if you will, just things that are, that are um, not quite where they need to be in our church. Um, and to me, not just in our church, but in almost every response from almost every church to the tensions of whether it's the pandemic or politics or the racial strife, all of the different areas that we've seen tensions, um, I, I've heard a couple of phrases over and over again, even sometimes from Christians within a church that caused concern. And as I prayed over this and had some conversations with our leaders, it became apparent that we need to, to add a new priority. Before I give you that priority, I want to just kind of paint the picture a little clearer. Uh, a few years ago, in fact, it was uh, only about a year or so ago, I was listening to Oprah Winfrey uh, as she uh, was given an award. And in her speech, her acceptance speech, she used the word truth five times. The first time she used the word truth, she said that the media pursues absolute truth. Now, you may or may not agree with that, but it was an interesting statement, absolute truth, that there's one truth and the media is pursuing it. But the next uses of that word truth that she used, instead of saying absolute truth, she said, we need to speak our truth. I need to speak my truth and you need to speak your truth. And she confused this word truth in the, the way that she began to build out. She started with an absolute truth, but then she began to speak of my truth and your truth. In fact, the, the title of this message, if I were to, to put it in one phrase, would be the cure for, for truth decay. Because I, I think that, or maybe it'd be preventing truth decay, truth decay, because the, the truth of the matter is, over the past few years, that word truth has become to mean less and less what it actually means. You see, one thing has become more apparent to me in 2020 is that even as Christians, we are in danger of letting our truth replace the truth. And here is the reality. Your truth does not exist the only truth that exists is God's truth. As some people would say, all truth is God's truth. And we see many examples of this in the Bible. There's an example uh, in the book of Job. Job was a man who had life hit him hard. And, and he felt as if it was unjust, all the things happening in his life. And he told his friends, you know what? If I could stand before God, if I could tell God uh, what I really think, then God would look at me and say, you know what, Job, you were right. You, this is all unjust. Well, Job gets that opportunity and he's able to tell um, God his truth. And in Job's experience, everything he says is true. It's his truth. God looks at Job and says, before you say one more word to me, let me just ask you a few questions. Where were you when I set the foundations of this world? And he goes on to say, basically, Job, who do you think you are? You are but a creature that I have created. One of the things I think that many of us 
have missed out on is who God really is. God is the foundation of all truth. When Jesus is about to be crucified, he says he, he appeals to truth in front of Pilate, and Pilate looks at him and says, what is truth? You see, the reality is that question, what is truth, has become more confusing for many people. And therefore, we want at Connection Point Church to prioritize truth in a way that is so clear that as we navigate the, the strife of politics and the racial tensions and the pandemic, we want to make it clear where we find and anchor our truth. And so I want to introduce to you the newest of our priorities, and it is simply this. We prioritize God's word over my word. I prioritize God's word over my word. You see, the truth is we have to anchor ourselves in truth. Truth is not something that floats around and we can choose what is ours. It is all God's truth. The way Jesus says it is this in Matthew 24, 35. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. You know, the truth is Joel's words will pass away. Your words will pass away, but God says his words will not pass away. And my fear is that even as Christ followers, we have, uh, we have unknowingly, either through our political leanings or through our emotions, we have allowed God's word to become unanchored to this idea of truth. And, uh, and the truth is, is that God's word holds our moral truth. It is the anchor that a Christian is supposed to follow. And so we want to be very clear. We value God's word over our word. And so uh, you can think about it this way. Um, if you've ever used a GPS uh, on your phone, uh, a GPS would be what we view are God's word. Uh, a few years ago, my brother was, was telling me he was in downtown Dallas leaving work and he turned on his GPS and his GPS was sending him to Saxe, but instead uh, to his house in Saxe, but instead of taking him north, it told him to go south on 175, which if you know the Dallas area, that is the exact opposite way of how any normal person would go to the city of Saxe. But yet my brother followed it and he actually arrived right on time and he missed a whole bunch of traffic simply because he anchored himself and he didn't say, you know what, this makes no sense. He trusted that this GPS obviously knows some things I don't know, knows about some, some uh, traffic, it knows about an accident, it knows about construction, it knows things I don't know. I'm going to trust it. You see, the truth is that is how we have to live our lives. We have to understand that God knows more about this world. His view is bigger than our view. And therefore, we are going to anchor our moral compass in God's word. We are going to prioritize God's word over our word. Uh, Proverbs 14, 12 says this. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. You see, if we don't anchor ourselves, we may think that we're going the right direction. We may think that this feels right. And we may find ourselves some, uh, someday separated from God simply because we did not anchor ourselves in God's truth. It would be crazy to try to drive to, to California or, anywhere, or any place in, in this country. It would be crazy to try to drive there simply by how we feel. 
I feel like I should turn left here. I feel like I should turn right. Instead, you, got, you have to anchor yourself in truth. There is a map. There is a way that you are supposed to go. And so at Connection Point Church, we will unashamedly anchor ourselves to the moral truth found in God's word. Now, how do we prioritize this um, in conversations? What does this practically look like? I think this, this priority, I hope, will infuse almost everything we do as a church. Uh, there are some questions I think you could ask whenever uh, you're in a connect group, potentially, uh, and, and you hear something that you're not sure if that's what God's word says. You can simply say, what does God's word say about this? That is a great question to kind of anchor God's truth over my truth. If you're reading the, the newspaper or you're, let's be honest, you're on the internet reading and you see a headline, it, it could be that you say, you know what, what does God's word say about this? And you ask that. Maybe you're in your connect group and you hear somebody say something that, that you're not sure if that's really their opinion or if that's what the, the, the Bible actually says. You can, you can ask them, hey, can you show me this? Can you show me this in God's word? Can you show me that in God's word? This is a question that I hope won't offend us as a church, but instead, whenever somebody asks me that as pastor, hey, can you show me that in God's word? I hope that first of all, I'm humbled and I say, yes, you know what? I need to do a better job of making sure that's not Joel's opinion because Joel's opinions will fade away, but the word of God will not fade away. And so I hope that that's a challenge that excites me. Yes, I will anchor this in God's word. I don't know if, if that's true. Let's investigate. Maybe that's a question. Maybe that's a way that you respond whenever you, you hear somebody say something within our church or, or you see a headline that, that says, hey, this is the way things are. I hope that we will question it and say, let's look at that in light of God's word. My hope is that a, a passion for God's word, not just that we have a passion for, for reading it, but we have a passion for applying God's word to every single aspect of our life through this priority. I hope that it will infuse the way we study the Bible. It will bring new life when we read the headlines. I hope it'll bring an excitement of, you know what? That's what uh, the New York Times says. That's what you know Yahoo News. That's what CNN. That's what Fox News. That's what they say. I want to see what God says says about this. I hope that this will set a plumb line, that this will set a direction for our church that will truly transform the culture, not just inside of our church, but the people around us will begin to say, you know what, there's something different about those people at Connection Point Church. They don't seem to be wishy-washy or going the ways of politics. Instead, they seem to be anchored to God's truth because they prioritize God's word over their word over my word. So Connection Point Church, this is a new uh, priority you're going to be hearing over and over again, I hope. And I hope that this is one that will truly, truly impact the course uh, and impact your life in, in a powerful way that whenever you're wondering, what should I believe about this or that, this simple idea of I'm going to prioritize God's word over my word will have a lasting effect in your life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for uh, just the insight you've given us into, uh, into the world through the, the strife that we've seen in politics and in 
uh, the racial tension and then the pandemic and all of the different things that we see, Lord, it, it brings up more questions sometimes than answers. So, Lord, I thank you so much as we as a church have stepped back. We've just begun to see what we need to do is prioritize your word over our word. All of us have opinions, Lord, but you have truth. And we want to make sure that we stand on your foundation and not our own. So, Lord, I thank you so much for the insights you've given to the leadership of this church. And, Lord, I pray that as we as a church body embrace this new priority, embrace this idea of God's truth over our truth. Lord, I pray that this will have a fundamental impact on our lives. It will bring us more joy, more happiness, more satisfaction, knowing that we truly, truly are anchored to you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.